0: You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Mosaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being, and financial security during this time. It really is a pleasure this, uh, today to connect with Professor Renata Schumann. She's a psychiatrist and the head of the MBA in healthcare leadership at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. And this afternoon, we want to focus on how children can cope with COVID-19 with this pandemic that is spreading across the world. These are tools and conversations that we as parents need to have with our children. Prof, thank you so much for joining me. I trust you are well. Good afternoon, Nazanya. Yeah, it's a challenging time, but all good. Absolutely. You know, our children are growing up in a time where the world has almost been turned upside down. The norm, the way life was, has certainly been upended and we're all dealing with this new reality.
1: Yeah, it was literally, I think we had a two day notice before the lockdown and everyone was scrambling. Some people for provisions and other people to get their technology set up to be able to work from home and to take in the new role as full-time caregiver for the children that's not attending school. And now suddenly you find yourself as an educator as well. Yes. And the big thing is for the adults to manage their anxiety because children models on our behavior and our words that we speak. And that is the additional thing that we really need to be aware of in mm-hmm. terms of communicating with our children in this time.
0: Yeah, so they're home, they don't have school the way the school provides a hell of a routine for them. Uh, And now they have a parent stepping in to try and teach them. Uh, There's also the threat, you know, that is ever present conversations. They overhear about potentially a parent or a loved one who may be falling sick. What are some of the stresses that children are experiencing or stresses that are specific to children when it comes to COVID-19?
1: It's interesting that one of the biggest stresses for any child is a change in re- their routine. So just the mere fact that I don't get up at the same time, I don't necessarily go to school, I'm isolated from my friends, that is a massive stressor for them, sometimes even more so than the illness as such. But as the children get a bit older, yes, they do find the whole idea of a virus that no one knows um, very very scary and especially if you watch a lot of movies or read a lot of books they might have the idea of this is the end of the world I had a teenager the other day in my practice that said yeah but she feels this is now the end there's no purpose anymore she was really realistic because she said we're all going to die now in any way mm. so it depends on the exposure and on the age but there is some fears they don't understand and as you also mentioned is what they overhear over from adults in yes. terms of what the illness can do and we should be so careful not to bombard them with a negative the whole time are you going to die if you don't wash your hands or you're going to get ill and if they this oh do you have the corona now we must really
0: be careful you know people sneeze for hay fever as well <laughs> yes we cough for all sorts of other reasons and sneeze so it so now in public you have to be so careful not to do that because of the eyes that you're going to get on you so interesting but when yeah. we are also dealing with the pandemic like this the tendency is that we want to stay glued to every single development so news about COVID-19 is non-stop at the moment we also uh, dial into the news ourselves and you know many adults are sifting through an enormous heap of information so that we stay well-informed on a daily basis. So I can imagine that young minds can interpret this as well uh, in the way that you've described, that surely this signals the end.
1: Yes, and I think that's coming back to the good routines and structures we usually have in our household. If the normal rule is at a certain age, say, for example, between 6 and 13, that there's only one hour screen time per day, we should not now discard that rule. We should stick to it and help a child to use it effectively. Now, obviously that screen time would now exclude the homework and the schoolwork that they now suddenly need to do online. But in terms of using that in a constructive way, use it for face time with your friends or a Skype call, whatever they want to use, maybe a little bit of YouTube, a little bit of news, but we really need to sift them and also to make sure that we understand the difference between fact and fake news. And our children have even less, they are less equipped to make the distinguishing thing. So it's very important that we explain to them. Um, We need to reassure them. And it's important to answer their questions, provide facts about what has happened, explain what is going on and give them clear information about how to reduce their risk of being infected. Um, but also, in depending on the age, words that's age appropriate. Right. And never overshare. That's almost a little bit like sex education. You only answer
0: what the child asks. Then you will know you will give the appropriate answer. Mm, mm. So stick to the facts. Uh, no fake news, and really try not to be sensationalist. What about emotions? Because even as parents, we experience our own stress and anxiety about this pandemic. Um, Do you think it's okay to express our own anxiety, our own fears about this moment? I think it's
1: important to be honest, to tell a child I am
0: also worried, but also
1: to give them Things that we can do, you know, the normal things like wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, the physical distancing. I'm not pro the word social distancing because I believe that we should keep to the social connections we have, even if it's now in a virtual way. But the physical distancing. Um, Children may respond to stress in different ways. Some of them might become clingy or anxious or withdrawing or even angry or agitated. They might go back to bed waiting if they're younger. And it's very important to respond in a supportive way, to listen to their concerns and give them that extra love and attention they might need now. Mm. One of the concerns that they often have is what if? So what if mama gets ill? Or what if oma gets ill? Or what if I start feeling not well? That they are scared maybe to go to the doctor or to the hospital, or that they're also scared that there won't be access to help. And once again, to reassure them about what would be the step? And also to explain to them in terms of the symptoms that we worried with um, COVID infection, the, the sore throat, the fever, and the shortness of breath, but just the sneeze is not necessarily the end of the world.
0: Yeah. So what should we do as parents if we do recognize the signs that you've identified, the anger, the aggression, the bedwetting, the withdrawal and so on? So we've spotted it. We've looked at our children and we can notice that, you know, their behaviors change. They're not the the usual child that we know them to be. So if we're worried, what should we do if we spot this kind of behavior?
1: Yeah, the one thing is that you can really do is is help them to understand what it is. Sit them down, explain to them what is a virus in simple words, and explain what is the expectation, explain also the reason for the lockdown. Another thing is to really keep routines in place, which we've mentioned, and make really time for quality time at this stage. It's not good enough that we're all together with our families in lockdown, and especially if one or both parents still need to work. But that you structure the day in terms of school-related work and pleasurable activities with your child and realize that they might be more needy now and need more um, more absolute quality time. And maybe you need to step back and understand that the more you invest in them now, the calmer they would be, especially because they don't have another outlet. You are their sponge at this stage. So be creative about new activities that you can do. Also in terms of exercising, um, we are very restricted in that sense, but you can even build an obstacle course in the house if you can. <laughs> very important to manage your own anxiety and really help the little ones also to stay in contact with their friends from even nursery school, or with their family, help them to set up FaceTime or video chats. The other thing is to really keep it positive. So (laughs) I think initially the children really thought this is now a holiday, and they realize now it's maybe not a holiday completely. And that's where it's helping them to have a regular schedule where there's work time, where there's quality time with the family, where we maybe play board games, which we do not usually have time for instead of just watching um, TV. Mm-hmm. And then also specifically with the little kids, um, the little ones might tantrum more than usual and they're not being naughty, they're not being defiant, they might just be anxious. And then it's a good to pick a calm and an undistracted time and gently ask them how they're feeling and to make sure to respond in the outburst, really in a calm and consistent and comforting way.
0: Right. Oh, You know, the question of routine keeps coming up. Help us understand why it's so significant, why it's such an important anchor in a child's life.
1: It's valid not only for children, but also for adults in a mm-hmm. time of uncertainty, Uncertainty is one of the most difficult human emotions to deal with. It makes us feel ungrounded, anxious, and even irritable. Um, It's almost a case of, give me the bad news, then I know what I'm dealing with. But if I don't know if it's good or bad news, what should I put in place? Now, the more uncertain our environment is, the more important it is to keep certain things stable, whether it's getting up in the evening, going to bed, whether it is what time we're having a snack or breakfast or lunch, the more stability and routine we can maintain, the more it it sort of like contains the other uncertainties over which we have no control.
0: Right. So um, the question of language, not only should we be mindful of how much of these issues we consume, but we also have to be mindful of the things we say about the pandemic in front of, of our children. So, uh, what is your, your, your advice in terms of the language we should be using and our observance of what we say around our children?
1: Uh, we sometimes forget even the the remarks that we make about the financial impact and yeah. being scared of retrenchments or even that children do worry about parents' finances and do worry about their stability as well. So I think all financial conversations should most definitely not be near a child. The other thing is if you know about someone that's ill, depending on the severity, maybe try to refrain from discussing it in front of the kid or turn it into a positive way. Yes, mm. uncle so-and-so is in hospital at, now, at this stage, but there's very, very good doctors that's looking after him. And most people, 95% of people recover. So, not necessarily emphasizing, as we see on all the coronavirus sites, the update stats, only focusing on the negativity and the difficult difficulties and the lack of ventilators, etc
0: mm. uh, Some people have also noticed that to some extent there 's a stigmatization you know uh, when you think of patients who have perhaps left their communities to go. Uh, into other communities because perhaps they're afraid of uh, news getting out uh, about they they being them being infected. How do we teach yes. our children not to stigmatize, not to label um, and other people who have uh, 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 contracted this infection?
1: The first thing maybe to tell them is that people that is ill and people that's healthy doesn't necessarily look different. You can't distinguish them on the way that they look. The other thing is that if someone wears a mask, they're not necessarily ill, they might use it as prophylaxis and prevention measures. So that's the first thing, because children associate a mask with hospitals or being ill. The other thing is very important, is, that's very true, and I did a talk in last week as well that even with adults, if we work with healthcare professionals, sometimes your friends don't know what to say or they avoid you, even if you haven't been exposed just for the fear. So it's very important for children to say, if someone is ill that they know, we can still maintain contact. We, We remove ourselves physically, but they are not different than you. Their immune system were just overridden by this infection. Um, but they can fully recover again. It doesn't mean that they didn't wash their hands or that they're dirty or that they are in any case sick or anything but it's it's i think that the crux of it is to say that someone that's ill and someone that's not going to get ill is still a person and they look the same and it might be you and it might be your friend, so to act with kindness and
0: still reach out to the people. Mm. But children also have an incredible resilience. How do we help them turn to their resilience or even build on the resilience they already have?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I must say, (laughs) I was discussing with uh, one of the mothers in my practice as a, a grade R boy and you know, after the discussion, explaining to him as well what is a virus and what is coronavirus. Corona means crown. Um, <laughs> she sent me a photo the evening of him all dressed up in his battle outfit. It was this plastic bazooka guns, and he had a helmet on it and a big plastic <laughs> mask on his face. And now he said he's ready for corona. So, children have this way they might experience and interpret things maybe more literally. But this sense of playfulness and humor is really amazing. And I think we as adults can also learn from that. Mm. Um, you know, that like we do the elbow greet now, but there's another greet that you greet each other with your heels, which is a hug. If you can't hug yes. someone, you press heels together because in Afrikaans, a hug is a hock, you know, the, the heel of your feet. Oh. So it's And if you use that humoristic things that we, children are born with it, um, we can really lighten the conversation without not being serious about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much to learn. I just love what this little boy did going out there to battle the coronavirus. <laughs> they <laughs> also, very There are lots of people right now, nurses, doctors, essential services, and they leave their families, of course, to make sure that uh, those that are sick get the relevant medical help but also that the country, all those services that are required at that time keep going. So they leave their families every day and potentially children may see that as something to worry about. How do we reassure our children um, that all is well, that in fact, what we are doing is, is, is something that is helping the broader community, the broader society?
1: Yeah, the, it, it's very difficult. Healthcare workers is under a lot of strain at the moment. And as you mentioned, they go to work to keep the society safe. And then they still have the responsibilities when they get home. I think the important thing is, luckily, with a protective gear that we can wear as medical doctors, where there's access to it, you can explain to your child what are you doing to keep safe. You are wearing the the mask. For example, you keep the two meter distance. You are disinfecting. You are washing your hands, and most of the staff in the front line even take their clothes off as they arrive at the door and wash separately, just to make sure to limit the exposure even further. Um, but yeah, also just a general request, maybe to the public, which I think the I think the message was very clear that the healthcare providers, it's staying at work for you and your family, but then we really request the public to stay at home for our families and for us to to yeah. stay healthy as
0: well. Yes, it's such a it's such an important thing to observe for all involved and we need to heed that message. There uh, is a change, of course, to how we practice personal hygiene. So uh, what's a fun way, is- a good way of making children, helping them adopt these new habits, not to see a mask as scary, uh, and, of course, to be encouraged to wash their hands and practice uh, social distancing, that, uh, the message, the broader safety message that we've been getting?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I must say, especially in the beginning of it, we were like a bit aghast realizing people don't wash their hands. I think if you're a medical doctor, you're used to washing your hands and now suddenly it's a new behavior. It should be an old behavior. Um, I think people are in general more aware of personal hygiene now. But what can be very nice is that that there's almost like a droll. When we get into the house, we spray our hands, we spray and wipe all the equipment that was outside of what we bought, and then we wash our hands. And for a child even something like different color soaps can almost be an emotional um, relief or a fun way. So if you could get different color sanitizers or different color soaps, say for example, in green, yellow, and red, to say we used the green soap when there was minimal exposure, when we were only in our own house, yellow if we had maybe been outside of the house and come back in, and the red soap if we have been Um, maybe exposed to someone else or someone else sneezed in our company or whatever, but the children also learn the difference between what is actually okay, what you should be more alert to, and then what is maybe a more high risk exposure. But even something like that, which works in like a traffic light, Mm -hmm. um, children can find quite um, a fun way of doing it. And then also the other thing is to help each other wash hands. I'm using washing hands now as an example, but especially around five to seven years and even a little bit younger, children are extremely caring. So they would love to help mama to wash her hands or even the younger siblings to wash their hands. And they can share in that responsibility for the one child. It might be their responsibility to spray the alcohol disinfectant on all the cell phones every day to clean the cell phones or Mm -hmm. hand out this different type of tasks.
0: Oh, I love those ideas. Those are incredible ideas. Um, And then the, this notion um, about keeping children away from their grandparents, yes, the elderly and those with um, underlying conditions are particularly at risk during this pandemic. And what's concerned me is the fear that children might get the wrong impression that they may make their, um, their grandparents ill. So how do we balance these two to ensure that the child doesn't feel like they're a threat or a risk to their grandparents but at the same time reassure them that this is uh, this is the best th- th- these are uh, best practice guidelines and that in fact what they're doing is doing good by um, yes they will miss their grandparents but by uh, practicing and observing the social distancing
1: yeah i think what is very important there is once again to explain the risk factors so say that You know, as a child, you don't easily contract this virus and you don't easily get ill, but older people are more uh, susceptible to it. So this is more prevention. Remember, you didn't make Oma or Opa ill, but potentially if we go and visit, you could carry the the virus and that that can, because they are older and maybe more frail, be more susceptible to contracting it. The little ones do not have to get that explanation. If they're very small, they don't understand. They might only understand that we don't see Oma and Opa for maybe a week or a couple of days or whatever. They also don't have a time limit. You know, they don't have the concept of three weeks. So you can just say maybe a couple of days. Um, And then the other thing is not to break contact completely, but absolutely. For the sake of the older people as well, which is often very isolated, keep contact and make use of video calling as well to, to connect
0: the grandparents and the grandchildren still. Absolutely. Oh, I want to thank you. Thank you so much, professor. Now we have the tools, we have the know-how on how to approach what is unprecedented and, you know, a first for this generation, a pandemic in our lifetime, on how to deal with it with our children. Thank you. And all of the best. This podcast was brought to you by discovery. Stay informed. Stay healthy.